Well, y'all, you know, I've, I've been, I was in the retail business for 45 years, and I held meetings all the time, all those 45 years, all the time. Spoke to people, spoke to large groups, much larger groups than this. But there's something about every time that I get up to minister the Word in this body, it's like the first day of school. You remember when you went to school for the first time in your life? Well, that's kind of what this feels like every time I get up here because it's an honor to be uh, allowed to stand up here and minister the Word to you all. And I want you to know I appreciate it and I trust the Holy Spirit to do a good job because I can't do this myself. Um, I always like to, to have, have a little joke in the beginning. And th- How many of you know there's a, there's a dial of prayer for an atheist now? Did you know that? There's a dial of prayer for atheists? Yeah, you dial the number and it rings and rings and nobody answers. <laughs> it's apropos, isn't it? Also, there, was a, there were three guys that were driving in a car and they ran off the road and all three of them got killed. So they went to heaven and St. Peter was up there and he was asking them questions. And one of the questions he asked them was that, well, now that you're in heaven, you can look down and see your funeral. You see yourself in the casket and your friends and your relatives are all standing around. What would you like most to hear them say about you? And uh, they thought for a minute. And the first guy says, well, he says, I'm a doctor. I was a doctor, so I would like to hear them say that I was a great doctor and a really good dad. That's pretty good. So the next guy said, well, he said, I was a teacher, and I would like to hear him say that he was a really good teacher, and the students that he taught have made a difference in our world. The third guy, he thought for a little bit, and he said, well, I I think the thing I'd most like to hear him say is, look, he's moving. I, uh, I, if I got that far, I don't think I'd want to be moving anymore. Um, what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, it kind of ties in with the series that Pastor Bert taught about, Who Are You? And the title of my message is, Are You Righteous? And to me, this is a really important subject because... First of all, I think it's one of the most misunderstood precepts of the Christian faith. And secondly, I think it's one of the simplest precepts in the Christian faith. And that sounds like an oxymoron maybe, but I I think it's true. And about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so when we started having Bible classes here, I was chosen to teach a class on righteousness. Righteousness. In the process of teaching that 13-week class, or 12-week class, um, I got to really get into righteousness and, and, and find out what it really was about. And the further I got into it, the more glorious it became. But not only the more glorious it became, but the more it ministered to me and changed my life. And I've never been the same since. And I pray that when I'm through tonight, that you will have a greater understanding of that concept yourself and that you'll never be the same, that it will change your life forever, because 
The understanding of righteousness is the master key to opening all the other gifts that God has for us in His kingdom. If you have an understanding of that, you can, you can receive everything that He has for you. You can rule and reign in Christ on earth and in heaven. So, let's look at Romans 3. If that doesn't get you wondering, I don't know how to whet your interest. Romans 3, verse 21. I'm going to read several verses here, and then we're going to kind of pick them apart a little bit. Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, important point, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. Who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, that by itself is a lot of information, and uh, someone more gifted than I could probably spend a couple of weeks just talking on that five verses right there. But something I want to do tonight is to open up some of those words that are in there that... You know, we often as Christians, we bandy about these words out of the Bible and have a surface understanding of what they mean, but we don't really know what they mean. We just kind of use them. You know, it's kind of like Christianese, you know. And I think it's important that we understand what the words mean because every word in this Bible means something important. And it's, it's really important that we don't just mouth them, but that we understand them. So, I want to first look at righteousness, and, and uh, there's, a, there's a worldview concept of righteousness, and unfortunately, I think for most of the present Christian world, it's the same as the worldview. And it really is based on works, and it's commonly known as self-righteousness. And we may not think that we're self-righteous, but if we're believing in our righteousness coming from what we do, that's self-righteousness. Plain and simple, that's what it is. Because our righteousness can never come from anything that we do. We just don't qualify. But there's a biblical view of righteousness, and it equates with the term justification. And you heard that term in verse 24 that we read. And, and justification is, you know, you commonly heard it maybe described as just as if you never sinned. And as far as it goes, that's fine, but it's an oversimplification of the, the vastness and the value of the, fra- of the term. I have here a, a, a definition of justification that's the best definition I've ever seen or heard of that word. 
And I'm going to read it to you because I couldn't memorize it all. Justification is a forensic term opposed to condemnation. In other words, it's the exact polar opposite of being condemned. As regards its nature, it is the judicial act of God by which He pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eye of the law, i.e., as conformed to all its demands. That's true for everyone that believes. Conform to all the demands of the law. Now, we know that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? So we know that we don't conform to all the demands of the law without this justification, without this righteousness, which is justification. In addition to the pardon of sin, justification declares that all the claims of the law are satisfied in respect to the justified. It is the act of a judge and not a sovereign or a king. The law is not relaxed or set aside. It is there, and it, it, it doesn't change. It's in the book. But is declared to be fulfilled in the strictest sense. So the person justified is declared to be entitled to all the advantages and rewards arising from perfect obedience to the law. Let that sink in a minute. That's what being justified means. It proceeds on the imputing or crediting to the believer by God himself of the perfect righteousness, active and passive, of his representative and surety, Jesus Christ. Justification is not the forgiveness of a man without righteousness, but a declaration that he possesses a righteousness which perfectly and forever satisfies the law, namely Christ's righteousness. Now, if I never went any further with this message, if we can just get this concept, if we can just gain an understanding of what it means to be justified, a declaration that he, that is, he who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and has received him as Savior, possesses a righteousness which perfectly and forever satisfies the law, namely Christ's righteousness. And that is to say that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. We have the same righteousness that Jesus Christ has. I tell you, when I first understood that concept, that principle, I just wept. Because if you really think about the, the vastness of that and the import of that, it's almost too much to take in. Because we in this country, I don't know about other countries, but I know that we in this country have been taught from the time we're little children that to be righteous, you've got to do everything right. Haven't we? Everybody shake your head yes, because I know we've all been taught that. Every one of us have been taught that from the time we're little children. And it's ingrained into us. And the only way to get that out is to accept this justification process. It's the only way to get rid of that. But once you get that, once you take that into your spirit, you'll never be the same. I promise you, you'll never be the same. So, that's the first definition, really. 
The rest of them aren't that long. I need help with this technical stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a real neophyte with technology. So take pity on me. Another word that we read in, in those five verses is the word redemption. <clears throat> and, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. You know, I've heard the word redemption all my life. And uh, <clears throat> first time I ever heard about it was in conjunction with green stamps. Anybody ever heard of green stamps? S&H green stamps? Well, back in the olden days, when I was... When I, when, I, when I was young, they had these things that they gave out in grocery stores and other stores called S&H Green Stamps. And you buy merchandise there, and they give you a percentage of your, your purchase in these green stamps, and they give you a little book where you paste them into this book. And then when you get enough of them pasted in enough books, you take them to what they called a redemption center. And they had toasters and dishes and all kinds of stuff there that you could buy with these H&H green stamps, S&H green stamps. And they called that redeeming those stamps. And you buy stuff. Well, biblical redemption isn't exactly like that, but it gives you some understanding of what it is. Redemption means to buy back, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to release from blame or debt. And when Jesus went to the cross and died for us, he redeemed us by his blood. It's that those toasters and things at the SNH Redemption Center were held in hostage. And when you went in there and gave them your books of stamps, you redeemed them. You released them from captivity in that store. That's not a very good picture, but it's the best I can do. <laughs> <clears throat> The next word is in verse 25, and it's, this is, a, this is a $100 word if I ever heard one. Propitiation. I can't hardly even say it. <laughs> Propitiation. And that really is a big word with a little meaning. It just means an acceptable sacrifice. That's all it means. An acceptable sacrifice. And Jesus was the propitiation for us. He was the acceptable sacrifice for us that we could be redeemed and given, given justification and be righteousness, righteous. So, I think that's all the definitions. Did everybody get all that? That's not the whole message. You're probably wishing it was, but it isn't. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is my life verse, verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus was totally sinless, to be sin for us. The propitiation, he was the propitiation. His sacrifice made him sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Jesus Christ. I must say that verse 20, 25 times a week. 
just to remind myself that I am the righteousness of God through what Jesus Christ did for me. And he didn't do it just for me. He did it for the whole world. He did it for the saved, and he did it for the unsaved. Because the unsaved is just somebody that hasn't got saved yet. So that, that sacrifice is out there for them just the same as it is for us. But we're righteous solely and only because of who we are in Christ Jesus. Remember Pastor Burt talking about who are you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Ephesians 2. Whoops. I know it's in here. You know, this poor old Bible... Now, I fix everybody else's Bible, but I don't take the time to fix mine, and it's falling apart. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And this is kind of a long passage, too. We're going to read ten verses here, so bear with me. <clears throat> and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins by his propitiation, in which you once walked according to the curse of the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? It's the devil. Prince of the power of the air is the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, and other children, otherwise children of the devil, just as the others. But God. I always love that when it says, but God. Because you know something good is going to come, right? But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Even faith is a gift of God. You know, we ask for, for sometimes ask for more faith. You know, everybody has the same measure of faith, and it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the important piece that I want to take out of this is that last verse where it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we are not righteous because we do good works. We're not. But because we're righteous, we will do good works. Works don't produce righteousness, but righteousness produces works. It just is how it works. And if you've been saved more than 10 minutes, you know that the Holy Spirit urges you to do good works. And sometimes more than other times, but He speaks to you and urges you to do good works. It's important that we understand that there's no righteousness that comes to us through what we do other than receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Second, John 17. Let's look at John 17. I'm already out of time, and I'm I'm a long ways from done. Dale talked too long. 
It's all your fault. Verse 23. Couldn't resist Dale. 23. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You know, here's a concept that's a marvelous thing, but again, it's difficult to take in. God loves you and I as much as he loved Jesus. Now, this is his son that he sacrificed on the cross so that his son could bring us to him. That's a love that's almost incomprehensible. But he, he loves us, and because he loves us, we are forever able. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to, I'm having to kind of rush through this, so y'all bear with me, okay? Chapter 10, verse 12. But this man, man is capitalized, that means it's Jesus. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's another one of those $10 words, $50 words, whatever you want to call it, sanctified. I was a Christian a long time before I ever really knew what sanctified was, and it's so simple. All it means is set apart. Set apart to God. If you're sanctified, you're set apart to God. And let me tell you something. When you are born again, you are sanctified right then. It's not something that you have to work up. It comes with salvation. It's there. The minute you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're sanctified. You're set apart for Him. Now, we can grow in sanctification, and we should grow in sanctification, so that we, the longer we're saved, we should look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. And that's the sanctification process. But you're already set apart from the very beginning. Uh, The blood of Jesus didn't merely cover sin. It destroys its power. Let's look at Romans 6, chapter 14, in Amplified Version. And I don't have that in my Bible, so I'll have to read it up here. Romans 6, 14. Hello, hello. For sin shall not any longer... Exert dominion over you. We know what dominion is, right? Authority. Power. Since you, are, since you are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. You don't have to sin anymore. You know, once, you're, once you have the righteousness of, of God in Christ Jesus, you're not a slave to sin anymore. Doesn't mean you won't sin. Years ago... Uh, Pastor Bert had a message that he used to preach and he'd say you know you don't have to sin but you will but you don't have to but you will but you don't have to but you will and he'd say that about 40 times and he was doing that for a purpose just to get it across to us that we're not slaves to sin anymore because we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus we're not slaves to it but we will fall sometimes and God's mercy forgives that. As a matter of fact, 
I'm going to shock you and tell you that you are as righteous right now as you will ever be. You were righteous before you were saved, after you were saved, and before you sinned. You were, you were righteous during your sin, and you were righteous after your sin. Your, your spirit man is always righteous. We've got to work through all this flesh, you know, but the spirit man is always righteous. It never fails. So you're not a slave to sin. Okay, I'm hurrying. <clears throat> There's, there is sin consciousness, and most of, the, most of the American world lives in sin consciousness. We're made aware of our sin over and over and over. You know, we hear about it. Well, first of all, the devil will tell you every five minutes of everything that you ever did wrong in your whole life, won't he? Everybody shake your head yes. So you didn't just me he talks to. He'll remind you every, every time he gets a chance of everything that you ever did wrong. And because of that, we, as a people, have become sin conscious. And that's the tool of the devil. But we have an opportunity to live in righteousness consciousness. Righteousness consciousness is truly understanding who we are in Christ and knowing, knowing that we can stand before God without fear, without guilt, without shame. Because when he looks at us, he looks at us through a veil that looks like Jesus. He looks at us through Jesus' blood. And he knows that those sins have all been paid for. And we're redeemed from them. That there's some things that we have to do. Look at Romans 12. I'm hurrying, Miss Becky. Romans 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's walking out your righteousness. And you do it by renewing your mind. And how do you renew your mind? Through this book. Through this book. And being in church and sitting under the preached word on an ongoing basis. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, I know I'm not unique, but I can read something in the Bible. And it's, it's good, you know, and I, I like it and all that kind of thing. But it may net, not really come alive to me until I sit under an anointed preacher who preaches that word. And I come to, to receive it in and to understand it. And that's how it works. That's how you become sanctified. That's how you become closer and closer to being like Jesus and less and less like, like the world. Look at John 16. I'm getting there. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Who knows who the Helper is? It's the Holy Spirit, right? When you're born again, the Holy Spirit is united with your spirit. They become one. He's inside you. And if you will take the time to listen to him, talk to him and listen to him, he will teach you. He will lead you. He will help you to, to know how to walk your, your salvation out. 
And last, Isaiah 32. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. 32. Isaiah 32, 17. Are we there? The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And I'm here to tell you that if you, if you can really grasp this concept of you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you will have peace. You will have hope. You'll have long-suffering. You'll have the gifts of the Spirit, and they'll be operational in your life, and you'll love them. I'm going I'm to lead you all in a confession to, to finish up here. And, and, and I just want you to understand, if you're a born-again believer, that you're entitled to everything that this confession talks about. And if you're not a born-again believer, I invite you to come see me after the service, and we'll see about getting you to being a born-again believer. We'd love to do that. We'd absolutely love to do that. I don't know everybody that's here, so there may be somebody here that hasn't been born again. And if not, we sure want to give you the opportunity to do that. Okay. Y'all repeat after me. Father, I declare that I am the righteousness of God. And as such, I rule and reign in life. I break the hold of sin consciousness over my mind. In the name of Jesus. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with the righteous consciousness that I have a right to, not because of who I am, but because of what God has declared about me. I pray that something eternal will happen on the inside of me. I thank you that a mark will be made in my life and in the lives of others that I touch that cannot be erased because I am the righteousness of God and I declare it in Jesus' name. You're entitled to everything that confession talks about. This is a one that I use not real often, but whenever I'm feeling unrighteous. <laughs> well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. We thank you for this family that we share here. What a blessing they are, Lord. We're so grateful to have the opportunity to come here and, and study your word and to share the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ here. I just pray, Father, that the words that I spoke today and the words of your word would, would go into hearts and minds and that they would, make an, that would have an effect of bringing about righteousness consciousness in every one of them. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.